Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. How early is too early for Christmas music, Christmas lights, and Christmas trees? And is Mason Rudolph racist or is Miles Garrett a liar. A lot of questions to be answered on a Football Friday home and home or radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. Zip Recruiter, without a doubt, the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's on the road down in New Orleans getting ready for a college football broadcast. And we're going to get into Miles Garrett. We're going to dive in. But I gotta get something, I gotta get something off my chest here this morning on a Friday morning. I'm driving around, running some errands for the family yesterday, getting dinner for the kids, and and I heard a great song, a wonderful song. You know, it's from one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. But it's, it just made me do a double take. What the hell is the date? I said to myself, here is the song I heard, and my instant reaction, a week before Thanksgiving. Oh, well, we were just messing with you there. What what we had is Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. And it's a great Christmas song. It's fantastic. I love it. I love the movie as well, but it's not time for Christmas music. And then I looked it up and my pop station here in Connecticut has already turned to 100% Christmas music. Good friend of mine. Andy Scholes, sports reporter at CNN, has two Christmas trees already up in his home, sent me a picture to prove it. I cannot understand this for one second, Ross. It is November 22nd. It is a week before Christmas. It is not time for Christmas music, Christmas trees, or Christmas lights. Do you agree? You know what, Dave? Um... I think I agree, but I don't feel as strongly about it as you. And in fact, I feel like the week of Thanksgiving is like almost the unofficial kickoff of Christmas and the holiday season. Like when I think Thanksgiving, you think eating and food and football. And on some level, I think about, you know, being with family and if you want to throw a tree in there for what for Thanksgiving, I'm okay with it. And I do think when I think of Thanksgiving, there isn't really like Thanksgiving music. So I think when you think Thanksgiving, you think about the holidays, you think about, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, they're kind of joined at the hip on some level. One comes before the other. I, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to, I'm going to allow it. And say, because I'm starting this week to get into the holiday spirit. I'm starting to think about Christmas gifts. I'm starting to think about Thanksgiving. Now, maybe that's because I'm never home for Thanksgiving because I'm always broadcasting an NFL game. Maybe I'm already looking ahead to Christmas. But I'm okay with it. When I think Thanksgiving, 
I now start to think about Christmas music. And maybe it's because I've been poisoned, but I now start to think about Christmas music a little bit. So when you're driving around on your game broadcast and you're hearing Christmas music, are you turning it up or are you turning the station? Because, I, I mean, again, I love that Mariah Carey song. I love the movie. I mean, Love Actually might be top five or six movies all time for me. I'm just not there yet, man. December 1st, at least, at the very least, the rule has to be post-Thanksgiving. So are you turning it up or are you turning the station if you hear Christmas music? Well, I'm not on a station typically where I would be hearing Christmas music, so that doesn't really uh, happen. But to answer your question, okay, and maybe this is kind of where you're going, we would never get our Christmas tree until after Thanksgiving. And I remember growing up, my tradition with my family, we always got our Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving, that Friday, Black Friday or whatever, we would go as a family and we'd get the saw out and we'd go into the woods at one of these places and we would cut down the tree and have hot cocoa and my sister would be complaining that it was too cold or whatever. Like, but we wouldn't get the tree till after Thanksgiving. That was part of the ritual. And I would also tell you that I would not turn it to a channel for Christmas music until after Thanksgiving either. It just wouldn't even occur to me. Yeah, I, I just, it, it all upsets me. I'm okay with like the, the Starbucks turning the calendar to the holiday drinks because I love myself a peppermint mocha. You know, uh, any of the, yeah, the gin, of, gingerbread you're kind of, latte. You're kind, of, you're kind of a hypocrite, mister. I need to get my Christmas cup in October or whatever well, you got I, it. It was the only day you could get them. Like it was a smart promotion because it got suckers like me to come in and get my free Christmas cup. But again, just just hold off on the Christmas music. At least if you can't do December 1st, like I would prefer, can we just agree to post Thanksgiving trees, lights? Hell, if I have my lights up by mid-September, it'll be a freaking miracle because that is one of the worst rituals the dads have to go through each and every year. Do you have a nice, like, do you crush it? Do you bring it on the Christmas lights or you just kind of half-ass it? At the house? Yeah, yeah, at your house. Okay, this is a tough one. Um, we've kind of talked about this before, but uh, so number one, um, we do a nice job with the Christmas tree. Lots of lights on the Christmas tree, Lots of ornaments, all of those things. We don't really do outdoor Christmas lights because we already have pretty good outdoor lighting. We do do a nice Christmas wreath. We do have pretty good outdoor lighting as it is. And you can't see our house from the road. So we would be doing the Christmas lights only for ourselves. And that seems like a gigantic waste of time. God. I mean, first of all, you <laughs> rob your daughters of the experience of having a pet dog. And now you're so selfish that you forget what it would be like for your two little girls to come home in the driveway each and every night and see all the cool lights and maybe the cool lit up Santa in the corner and the, and the blinking lights around the driveway and your giant driveway could be all lit up because you live in some country estate. 
You really are just selfish, man. You got to think of those little girls, all right? Think about those little girls and how much they would enjoy so that wait, experience. Wait, 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 wait. So tell me what you do. So so when do you do it and how much time do you spend out there oh. with outdoor Christmas lights? But see, here's the thing. You live in Rich Boy, Connecticut. The only reason you really do it is to keep up with the Joneses. You don't really no. want to do it. No. You don't really do it for your kids. You do it out of some fake sense of obligation because no. your neighbor, Frankie Hedge Fund, and your other no. neighbor, Johnny Brain Surgeon, they both no. have Christmas lights up. And Davey TV can't be the only one that doesn't have Christmas lights up. False, false, false. Westport, Connecticut, terrible Christmas light town. Worst Christmas light town I have ever lived in. My street is terrible. My town is terrible. It's an embarrassment. No, I only do it because my wife and kids grew up like basically my wife grew up in the Griswold house. I probably spend at least six, probably closer to 10 hours. Most of them miserable because I usually wait till too long. I'm up there on the ladder in the trees, pissed, cursing. I hate the experience. But Brandy loves Christmas lights and the kids require them. Only reason I do it. That is it. Only reason I do it. Unselfish. How long does it take you? Uh, I, like I said, I think it's probably a minimum of six hours. But this year, the in-laws are coming to town. Probably going to be closer to 10. And <laughs> I'm going to have to drink a lot of Bloody Marys. A lot of Bloody Marys to get all those lights up. And speaking of, I'm already out. The good news is I'm out of Bloody Mary, but the founder of Sam Adams beer is coming up 10 o'clock Eastern time on this program. We're going to taste 28% alcohol beer costs more than $200 a bottle. It's illegal in 15 States. It's called utopias. We're going to get after it in the 10 o'clock hour with Jim cook it's going to be phenomenal so don't miss that but first we got to get into the miles garrett situation it is the story continuing to rock the sports world this morning and will continue frankly throughout the season because it's far from over miles garrett appeal was denied by the nfl but the story leaks out that he said mason rudolph called him a racial slur and that's what set off this crazy tirade where he rips the helmet off and swings it at Mason Rudolph. No one on either side has recollection of hearing a racial slur or hearing Miles Garrett relay that story after the incident, after the game, and the days that followed. Apparently, he kept it a secret until his NFL appeal. So let's listen to what Cam Hayward had to say about, well, could Mason Rudolph, his quarterback, have said something similar, or did he deny it straight to Cam Hayward's face? Listen. Said Thursday after the game, it, yeah. it indeed did happen. Yeah. I can tell you personally, I had one up to Mason right after the game. He said, how did this escalate? He told me, kept dragging to the ground, and they were going back and forth, but never got to a racial slur um, for it to be used. In your appeal, stupid. Own up to your mistakes and move on. 
All right, that's Cam, Cam Hayward says Mason Rudolph came up to him, said that that did not happen. Now, here's the problem for me. Mason Rudolph was scheduled to speak to the media, and he elected not to. Mason Rudolph, if someone is accusing you of using a racial slur, presumably the N-word, you step to that damn microphone and have some accountability. Miles Garrett had no accountability, and I think he made matters a lot worse for himself. End of the day, Ross, is Mason Rudolph a racist or is Miles Garrett a liar? Well, and that's the problem, right, Dave, is that someone's obviously lying. And so this situation is heinous no matter what now. Either someone used a racial slur that there's absolutely no place for and should never be used in any context, in any way in our society, or someone is falsely accusing someone of doing that. Either way, it's now a terrible situation, absolutely terrible. And it was already a bad situation. Now it's even worse. You know, Dave, I got to tell you, it would be great if there were some evidence that came out that we could know definitively, but it's hard to believe Miles Garrett. It's hard for me to believe that if that happened, that you wouldn't have said that after the game. You know, all he said after the game was, I lost my cool, I can't do that. You know, if someone really called you a racial slur, I don't know how you don't mention that after the game and say, look, I lost my cool. He called me something that set me off. Like, I, I, I just don't know how you don't do that. So um, I don't believe Mason, uh, Miles Garrett, if something comes out later that uh, has any kind of evidence, then I will feel a lot differently about it. But when you watch the incident, you didn't see a whole lot of talking at all. I mean, it was Mason Rudolph trying to get his helmet off, Miles Garrett on top of him. I didn't really see the time or even the mouth moving for any type of racial slur. Nobody else heard it. And even if you remove all of those things, right, Miles Garrett still would have said things, something about after the game. So I don't believe him. And frankly, I think you know, Dave, I think I was almost as understanding of Miles Garrett as anyone because I've been in fights. I've been in a situation where a teammate swung their helmet at me. Uh, I thought he should be suspended for the rest of the season, but I understood how it could happen. And I actually praised Miles Garrett for his post-game accountability. And now even that's gone. Now even that's gone. I no longer feel that way about him at all. He's not being accountable for it. He's trying to pass the buck. And what's really sad about this is that it still doesn't excuse his actions. So he's lying, in my opinion, and greatly disparaging another human being, which is the exact opposite of being accountable. And it still doesn't even help him for the appeal Because even if that's the case, it's still not okay to hit Rudolph on top of the head with the helmet. So it doesn't even help you, and you lost, and the NFL said they found no evidence. It's like a a, a triple crown of horrendousness from Miles Garrett's perspective now. Triple crown of horrendousness. Well said. Here's Miles Garrett's statement. I know what I heard. 
Whether my opponent's comment was born out of frustration or ignorance, I cannot say, but I know what I heard. Now, Mason Rudolph didn't speak to the media yesterday, didn't take questions, but he spoke through his attorney, which also bothers me, man. You're a quarterback, and yes, Miles Garrett had no accountability here, but you should speak for yourself, not through your attorney twice in a row now. The statement from the attorney, the malicious use of this wild and unfounded allegation is an assault on Mason's integrity, which is far worse than the physical assault witnessed on Thursday. This is reckless and shameful. And once again, we're left to ask, is he hinting about legal or civil action? That's what it sounded after the initial incident. And that's what it sounds like, again, if you read between the lines there from Mason Rudolph's attorney. Even in though Mason Rudolph's own backyard, 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland, the Ken Carmen Show, they, of course, has been lit up with callers, with opinions about this, but here's the Ken Carmen show with their opinion on Garrett's accusation of a racist term from Mason Rudolph. After the game, I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. Would you do that? Would our callers do that to somebody who called him the, the magic word? Oh God, no. no, I don't think so. And no. that's, that's why the believability is not there outside of Cleveland. Nobody that. seems to believe miles Garrett. Can't deny that. I, I, I Including still the wonder... NFL. Did anybody try to talk him into saying a quote-unquote better decision would be to let this one go because they're not going to let it happen? I don't know. Uh, the only person who can answer that is Miles, and I don't know how much we're going to hear from him here very soon. Because I think right now the best idea would be for Miles to let this thing cool. Yeah, but for he's a while. losing the PR battle. I know he is, but what else is he going to say? Because it's obvious that in the more he talks, the worse this situation gets. See, I think it could have gotten better had he have talked immediately. I think that was a huge mistake. What you mean back on Sunday with Jay Glazer? That That's night. a possibility. No, no, not, not Sunday. Thursday. Thursday. Oh, Thursday he came night. out and said it? Yes. He said it yes. in the locker room and he told all his teammates. Yes. That's how most, I think, of our listeners, they're saying they would have reacted. Now, you never know. You never know. That doesn't mean that he's he's making this up either. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying how most adults would have reacted You're are right. totally different than Miles Garrett. You are, you are right about that. 92-3. The fan in Cleveland, even they are not on Garrett's side. Ken Carmen show with Anthony Lima. And I think he made matters worse for himself. And here's why Roger Goodell, even ahead of this appeal said that they're going to meet in the off season and quote, I think we'll make a judgment on, does he have remorse? Does he understand why it's not acceptable? That's how they're going to decide if the indefinite part of that suspension comes to an end. So on that regard, Ross, I think he made matters worse because he does not take accountability for his actions. Christian Fourier, WEEI, this morning said he thinks they should add on a further suspension or fine if this is proven to be untrue. Your thoughts? I agree, Dave. I, I agree. I, I think this might backfire on him. And if I'm Mason Rudolph, maybe I go to the NFL and say, look, I'll take any lie detector test you want me to take. I did not say that. You need to suspend him harsher for these false accusations that are damaging to my reputation. And really, at this point now, if I'm Mason Rudolph, maybe I am considering a civil suit. Now, the issue with the civil suit is, what are the damages? You know, now, in terms of the hit to the head, he didn't really seem to be, you know, any worse for the wear. I do think on these comments by Miles Garrett, maybe we should get another attorney on 
Because I don't know. He's now said on social media, he has accused Mason Rudolph of doing this on social media. You read it, Dave. I know what I heard. So at this point, now it becomes this is a matter of public record that Miles Garrett is saying that Mason Rudolph said this. I know I personally, you know, it's a weird thing because my initial reaction, Dave, would be to fight this every way possible, right? To stand on the mountaintops, to sue Miles Garrett, all of that stuff. But then at the same token, that just continues the conversation on some level about your name racist, your name racial slur. Like even if it's not true, on some level, it just continues that association. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would like to see Mason Rudolph step up and take some questions here. Uh, look, I mean, step to the microphone. The questions aren't going away. He's going to have to answer them this coming weekend, win or lose. It's going to be the entire press conference, and he's going to have to step in front of the microphone. Strangely under the radar with that game and with all the physicality of that game is another play. And it was the Browns' Demarius Randall was ejected earlier in the game before the big incident. It was a helmet-to-helmet hit on Deontay Johnson, who got a concussion and left the game with a bleeding ear. Well, we've heard this before, Ross. Demarius Randall says he got death threats. Quote, I got death threats, people telling me I'm going to kill me after that hit on Deontay Johnson. And then... Demarius Randall takes it further and says there's a double standard commenting about Deontay Wilder, who lost his job for making death-related physical threats toward the fans after having an ugly game. Is there a double standard? We can certainly agree. These idiots on Twitter that make death threats toward NFL or collegiate players like Sean Clifford at Penn State need to be outed, need to be forwarded to the local police. Totally agree. I I think we need to, honestly, Dave, I I don't like an overly litigious society. I I don't like, um, you know, getting law enforcement involved unless you have to. But I truly believe on this social media stuff, there needs to be a crackdown. Because think about this, Dave. Sean Clifford, Demarius Randall, these are very, very confident young men that are professional athletes or starting Big Ten, top 10 quarterbacks. You know what I get concerned about? What what about the 12-year-olds? What about the 15-year-olds? Like, what about the people that aren't, you know, as confident, aren't as mature, can't handle these things? I worry very much about what comments like these lead to. And I think we need to start to set a precedent of punishment and accountability for what you post on social media or false accusations like I think most people believe the case to be with Miles Garrett. Yeah, speaking of false accusations, let's wrap it up with another caller from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland who has an interesting theory about what really went down. Yes, really, prepare yourself for this. I kind of want to speak to personal experience on the field with something like this. Um, not to call out Mayfield, but uh, this was when I was in high school. Uh, we were beating the team pretty bad, and the guys on the other team, the other offensive line, started screaming the N-word, like all of this crazy stuff. 
So, like, six or seven of us got kicked out of the game for fighting on the field. Um, and I think a lot of that, too, is out of frustration. I don't think Mason Rudolph is a racist. I think he's just stupid. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like some of these guys say this stuff in the spur of the moment to be hurtful on purpose. Like, not that the race is just because it's like, oh, you're beating the brakes off me. Like, oh, how about this? And oh, it's the la- name calling is always going to be the last bastion of uh, of an right. argument. You know that, yeah. And 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 I think the only reason that Mason Rudolph would have said that is because he just got a terrible case of syphilis. Oh my! So thank God. you. Yeah, there it is. Volunteer testing for syphilis. What do you mean syphilis? Syphilis. 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 Twenty-one cases of syphilis. What do you mean? Syphilis. I said I have syphilis. Oh my God, Hannah. Well, there's case. Of- yeah, <laughs> that happened. That happened, Tucker. Ninety-two, three, the fan in Cleveland. You know, what, you know what? You know what? You know what the truth is. Um, I have no idea what syphilis is. I know it's an STD, and I know it's not good, and I know I don't have it, and I don't want it. But I don't really understand how it manifests itself, how long it lasts. Why that guy brought it up, it sounds like that must be a theme with the show because they had all that sound ready of all those syphilis cuts and all that syphilis audio. I mean, that's a lot of syphilis audio to have on the spot. It must be part of the show. Who's got a syphilis drop ready on the audio board, man? Either they've got the ultimate audio board or there is a, a syphilis theme. Let us know what happened there, 92-3, the fan. Uh, inquiring minds want to know. They also want to know who wins the Packers-Niners game coming up this weekend. It is an outstanding weekend, week 12 in the NFL. We're going to preview Packers-Niners with Bill Schmid, 105-7, the fan, in Milwaukee after a quick break and a word from Ross Tucker. And that word is that hiring can be a challenge, as Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered. She needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... 
what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Outstanding. Week 12 on tap in the NFL. One of the best games of the weekend has the NFC uh, North leading Packers traveling to San Francisco to take on the nine and one 49ers. Let's break that di- game down with Bill Schmidt, one Oh five, seven, the fan in Milwaukee, Bill. Good to see you, my friend, Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker before we get into the game, which we will in depth. Got to ask you when is too early to listen to Christmas music, to put up a Christmas tree and to put up Christmas oh. lights outside your home. I've seen all three in the last 24 hours and I'm not happy about it. Well, okay. So uh, just hand raised in air. I'll be doing that a little bit during the red zone at the noon games on Sunday. I'll be doing the tree. I'll be getting the wow. lights ready to go and I'll, I'll be, I'll be setting re- rock and roll. I love Christmas time though, because guys, you got need to look at it this way. We're in Wisconsin. We got our first snowfall here like two months ago. So we've been waiting for there to be a reason for us to at least celebrate in this godforsaken winter. So at least you get a little bit of bright lights when it gets dark at like three 30 out here. So bill, here's my question. Are you guys, is your, I didn't realize, I go on, uh, Dave, I go on Bill's show, they call him Baby Tausch, which I love. They, I go on Bill's show every Wednesday at 3.45 p.m. Eastern, 2.45 Central. Is it the Wendy's Big Show, Bill? Yes, sir. Wendy's Big Show. Baconator, the bacon jalapeno. We always got a Frosty lined up for you. The Wendy's Big Show, rock and rolling. <laughs> All right, so you guys are sponsored by Wendy's then. That, yes, that's sir. Like, that's, the, that's the Wendy we're talking about. I that's, still that's love Frosties. I still love Frosties, and I'm still upset. One of my two daughters orders vanilla Frosties, and I feel like I've totally failed. Am I a failure out of, as a father considering one of my daughters orders a vanilla Frosty rather than obviously chocolate? Well, Ross, you also hear Leroy Butler on our show with us on that Wendy's Big Show. He's the same way. Vanilla Frosty, and then this weirdo eats it instead of with a spoon with his fingers. So don't worry about it. You're no failure. Any way you want, you can eat a Frosty. We also now are celebrating with, let me make sure I have this right, the Birthday Mm -hmm. Confetti Fun Cake Frosty. That you can find at Wendy's, too. Dude, I always I always went with the fries dipping in the frosty. I think Wendy's yeah. is the best of the fast food burgers. If I gotta sit down, I'm a Five Guys guy. And Bill, I had Five Guys at 3 a.m. this morning because the boss brought Five Guys. I had a burger, a hot dog, and fries at 3 a.m. Is is that just disgusting? I mean, I got I gotta work that off, brother. Dave, you're talking to a 300-pounder. There's never a wrong time to have Five Guys burger and fries, man. Best part about fi- Five Guys is 
when they're taking the fries, they're just dumping the whole bag in the fryer. And then you're just, whatever they put, put in there, you're getting on the plate. There's no portion control there. Dude, the first time I went to Five Guys, I think my wife and I both ordered fries. That was the dumbest <laughs> move of all time. I didn't realize you get one small order of fries and you could feed a small country just yeah, with the no one small it. order of fries. So mm -hmm. we've never made that mistake again. Billy, I want to ask you the same thing I asked Mike Fisher, who covers the Cowboys yesterday. And it's a little bit different with the Packers because they are eight and two. But it's sort of a holistic question, which is, how good is this Packers team, in your opinion? We're still trying to figure it out, Ross. We, we really are. And, and I believe they're going to be as good ultimately as Aaron Rodgers is going to be towards the end of this thing. You, you guys know this better than, than all Ross big time players are going to make big time plays in big time games. And this is the biggest game right now that this 2019 2020 Packers team is going to face. And with Matt LaFleur coming in guy, won his first game as a head coach, that doesn't happen much in this league. Won his first road game as a coach in this league. That doesn't happen much. And there hasn't been, a ton of adversity that's hit this team outside of Devontae Adams missing four games, which they ended up winning all four of those games. They're as good as Aaron Rodgers is and as good as they're going to run the football that day. We've seen them now twice struggle running the football against the Eagles and against the Chargers. And the Chargers was some self-inflicted. They only handed the ball off, I think, 10 times in that game. And, and they really got away from their game plan being able to keep the ball on the ground. They got a really, really good two-headed monster in Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. When they can run the football, it keeps that defense on the on the bench, keeps that pass rush resting a little bit, and they can pin their ears back and get a lead and go after teams. Guys, they've gotten ahead of most teams that they've played this year. They've led in seven of their ten games already, feeling like that might be one of the reasons why they've covered seven out of their 10 spreads. They're, they're the best team in the NFL against the spread. I think they're one of the best teams in the NFC, but this is that signature win. We thought it came down in Dallas. This would be the one that they get out in Santa Clara this weekend. So is that the key to the Packers game in San Francisco is starting that offense through Aaron Jones, establishing the run, and then Aaron Rodgers can open up? Yeah, I think so, Dave, because you're in a situation where you have what a lot of Kyle Shanahan coach teams or Sean McVay coach teams, this whole coaching tree that kind of started in Washington a few years ago, back in about 2012, you have what all those other teams don't. You have Aaron Rodgers. Those other teams are rolling with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still answering a lot of questions, I think, out there in San Francisco. You also have Jared Goff, who over the last 17 games has been you know, pedestrian at best. So if you're able to run the football like this offense calls for that allows that misdirection, the pre-snap motion to mess with defenses, then you have the kryptonite that a lot of defenses aren't going to want to deal with late in games, Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't had to break out the bag of tricks a lot, but when he did down in Kansas City, you still saw some of those throws that are just unworldly. And you've seen those that ability to make the plays that a lot of other guys can't. But when it's aided with a running game and a defense like we haven't seen here in Green Bay in 
the the last time they had a defense that was somewhat formidable like this was 2014. They found themselves five and a half minutes away from going to the Super Bowl in Seattle. And before that, it was 2010, and they had to deal with 21 guys hitting IR that year in route to the Super Bowl. To see a defense and see a running game start out the offense with Aaron Rodgers, it's a dangerous thing. Yeah, it's weird, though, Bill, because I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I know how good the defense is. I mean, earlier in the year, it looked like they were absolute gangbusters. And even now, you know, they've had their moments, like the first half of the Cowboys game. Then there's yep. like the second half of the Cowboys game. And I, I, they've had some issues stopping the run. How good is the defense, in your opinion? Are they elite? Are they middle of the road? Or is that still to be determined? I think, Ross, they're somewhere in between there. And, and I think top 14, top 10, just in that range right there, you know, 14 to 10 range in the NFL is where they'll, they'll probably end up and where they should be. They force a lot of turnovers and they get a lot of sacks. But as teams that bend but don't break, they're going to lose a lot of games when they don't get a turnover or when they're not able to get a sack. And just look at that Carolina game the last time we saw this team on the field at Lambeau. They gave up 16 points, but they also gave up almost 400 yards of offense. So it, it, it's very bend but don't break. They give up a ton of explosive plays. They're top five in the league in giving up plays of 20 yards or more. They they love to blow coverages randomly and then be able to tighten up towards the goal line. And, and Mike Pettin defenses do that a lot when you're playing with the two high safeties that are going to go as far back as possible with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. Darnell Savage is going to be a key, though, for them. He's been banged up since about week three, week four, and they've had a lot of trouble covering tight ends ever since that. If George Kittle plays, I think Savage draws a lot of that matchup, and I think that's somewhere the Packers can improve simply with his speed and his coverage ability against other tight ends because they've let a lot of guys wide open. One in that Carolina game in particular – Kevin King, who's had his best year as a Packer and as a pro so far, just thought he was going to play cover three while everybody else played man. And as you know, that usually ends up in about a 40-yard gain. And a team ends up in the red zone forcing a field goal. And, and the red zone defense has been where the Packers have really excelled. So I think they're, they're somewhere higher than middle of the road, but I don't think they're exactly top 10 just yet. This is one of those games that's difficult. We're talking to Bill Schmidt, 105.7, the fan in Milwaukee. Difficult to pick even without the spread. I went back and forth, ended on the Niners. Who wins and why in your estimation? Yeah, no doubt about it, Dave. I, I'm in the same conundrum. This is one of the few games, and I mean few, of the season that uh, I think I'm going to stay away from. I just can't. I can't figure it out. I see Stop five it. or six different scenarios going. I know, right? Crazy. I, I don't like it either. I, I, I think I'm sick. I'm going to go have to get myself checked out. But there's, there's just a feeling. I just I don't know exactly. I see about five or six different games going. I see the Packers being able to run the ball better than they've been able to in the last few weeks. And I think we see a one-score game that ends up going to the home team. I think there's a reason why Vegas has it. It's a three-point spread. They understand that it's basically a pick em. The biggest matchup for me is going to be DeForest Buckner against Billy Turner. And then Nick Bosa against David Bakhtiari. I see the Packers being able to get home a little bit against Stanley and McGlinchley. 
they've been banged up on the, the outside for the Niners on the defensive side. For the Packers, they've been able to get a get going against bigger offensive tackles that are more of road graders. David Bakhtiari struggled big time against Joey Bosa. I think Nick Bosa is even better with the kind of power that he provides. It's going to be a long day, and I think it's going to be really, really low scoring. At this point, I'm going with like 16, 13 Niners. I think it's the under. I don't think there's a whole lot of points in this game, and uh, I think it sneaks out late that uh, the Packers are just unable to score with Aaron Rodgers with the ball down three against that really, really good 49ers team. Bill, last one for me. Uh, I think that's a very plausible scenario about how the game goes, by the way. But last one for me, what what is the deal where it feels like the passing game was better without Devontae Adams? Like, how is that possible? I think it's, it's possible because one guy – really, really likes to throw it to the other guy. Aaron Rodgers loves to throw the ball to Devontae Adams. They, they've been boys. He's got a lot of trust in him. And also, he's looking at a lot of undrafted and unproven guys on the other side, right? When Devontae Adams was out, he was playing with MVS, Marcos Valdez-Scantling, who was a fifth-round pick. Then Alan Lazard, undrafted rookie. Uh, Jake Kumaro, undrafted rookie. Geronimo Allison, undrafted guy. And you're stacking up dudes that have now – had some service time in the NFL, but but we're undrafted dudes. Devontae Adams, a second round pick that has reached the levels of, you know, top 10 wide receiver in, in football. He trusts Devontae Adams on any timing route possible. But I think we're also seeing that he's on Aaron Rodgers is understanding that these other dudes, such as Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, are guys that he can trust throwing the ball to out of the backfield. Got to get the ball out of his hand quicker. And, and that's definitely what was happening, Ross. When Devontae Adams was out, it was a lot of more quick hitters. It was three-step and the ball's gone. Not three-step and, well, let me make sure 17's not open before I fire it over here to uh, to MVS or, or uh, Alan Lazard or dump the ball out of the backfield that a lot of people want to see Aaron Rodgers do. So there was a lot more based on timing when Devontae was out. It's been looking and kind of waiting for some explosion plays, I think, ever since. Talking to Bill Schmidt, 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee. A lot of talk about the Packers, but also the loss of Yasmany Grandel from the Milwaukee Brewers, who has now signed a big deal with the Chicago White Sox. And Bill, he was on 670 the score, talking about the big deal that he got there with Chicago, but also weighing in on the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal and said something I have not heard another player in terms of, well, almost justifying what was going on there in Houston in 2017. Here's what he said. And then Yasmani, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the biggest story in baseball. You mentioned those uh, loser rings that you have. You were against the Astros in uh, that 2017 series. What do you make of the sign-stealing allegation controversy and their use of technology, supposedly? Uh, I think... uh... You know, they're doing whatever they can to win. Uh, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, I guess. So, um, so yeah, they got him a ring. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if L.A. would have gotten a ring and we would have been doing the same thing the same way, um, we would have been fine with it. I, you know, I think the past is the past. Um, that happened. People found out. Um now let's do something to fix it and keep on going. Yeah, how common do you think it is? Uh, to what? 
Do you said if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So, well, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't think stealing signs is is cheating unless you know, as long as you're doing it within the game. I mean, if you're at second and you're relaying signs just to make sure that your team wins, go for it. Um, if the other team can't figure out how to make the signs harder, then uh, I believe it's their fault. Um, so down to to that, I think. You know, there's no problem with it as long as it's safe. Surprising hot take there from Grandel wow. on 670 The Score. What's your reaction, Bill? Well, first off, uh, my reaction is that's the most I've heard he has talk. I covered him for a year here doing the uh, post-game show. Yaz is, is, is a dude of a few words. In the first couple of seconds there in the interview, I heard him, and that, that said just about my feelings on it. I, I'm a young guy that believes if we're going to have technology in sports, why not use it? Everybody is stealing signs in major league baseball. If you're going to be able to use it and we have iPads on the sidelines of NFL games, everybody is being able to break down tape that you see in the world series. You saw Adam Eaton sitting there by the iPad, breaking down exactly Will Harris's delivery. I don't see the major issue in knowing what is coming because you still have to hit it. And from my coverage of, of the Brewers in the last four years, from what I've done and the guys that I've talked to, you know, a lot of times what somebody's going to throw until they really start pitching it backwards. I'm fascinated by this Astro situation because I love the idea of we're going to do anything we can to win. And it's, it's definitely not going to, make a whole lot of people happy. What Yaz said right there, though, is somewhat maybe damning in Milwaukee because when the Astros thing first came out and John Heyman and everybody started, you know, blowing the roof off of it, there were a couple of uh, squeaky wheels in the uh, NL Central that pointed to maybe the Milwaukee Brewers were utilizing some of the same tactics. So, we're uh, waiting to see if some of the bodies are going to be unburied here uh, in, in Milwaukee. And there might be some correlation there because if you know, David Stearns, general manager, now uh, president of baseball operations for the Brewers, he's a descendant of Jeff Lunau down there in, in Houston. So I think this story guys is only going to get crazier and crazier while more teams become uncovered because there's no way the Astros are the only team that thought, Oh, you know that camera right over there by the batter's eye? We just pan it over two millimeters. We can see exactly what that sign is. Oh, there's a changeup coming. Well, why don't we let Low Kane or Christian Yelich know that? And Yelich also, in the same vein, a couple of days ago, was called out by you Darvish on Twitter as uh, some blog site posted a video of him panning his eyes quickly to the Brewers' bullpen and back and forth. And you Darvish said, hey, man, all I know is he was doing some weird stuff. I stepped off. I wasn't letting it get hit out of the ballpark. All I know is Yelich hit five hey, bombs Bill, against the Cubs this year. <laughs> Bill, last one for me. Uh, Badger football. They still got a shot at this thing. Is there any buzz or hype there about, hey, if they if they win out, if they beat Minnesota, they're in the Big Ten championship game again? No. It, it, it's crazy, Ross. There, there's a feeling that it's got to be college football playoff or bust. And I think for the, the University of Wisconsin, it's a little bit different framework you got to deal with. You know this, being a Princeton guy, that there's different academic standards for all these different programs. Wisconsin, while it's not a Notre Dame, it's not a, an Ivy League school, 
their standards are a little bit higher than some across college football. There's there's a couple of different requirements to get in an extra foreign language class that I know it is. There's there's another math course or credit that I believe you have to have to get in uh, to Wisconsin. They're recruiting a different type of player, and it's clear that they're just not recruiting the same kind of five-star kids that Ohio State is. Right now, everybody saw what Ohio State did to them at Colum- in Columbus a few weeks ago, and it's almost like a wait to see who's going to go get slaughtered by the Buckeyes in Indy. And there's a fear that we're just waiting and prolonging the inevitable. I say it on our show all the time. Gary, who, you know, you talk to Gary Ellerson, played running back for the Badgers, played running back for the Packers. The program kind of is where it is, but it's ascending to a height that maybe it wasn't supposed to be. They're a top 15 program, but it's just people want more. And and there's this boomer bust feeling in Wisconsin that I think the Packers have set down going to the playoffs for eight straight years. You know, people want championships and I can't fault them, but also trying to talk into the fact of this is a, this is a pretty dang good, dang good football team with some really, really good players on it that has a chance to go there and still win a big 10 title. And that just doesn't seem to be appeasing people anymore. All right. Bill Schmidt, one Oh five, seven, the Phantom Milwaukee touching them all Packers, Badgers, Brewers, and they got the best player in the NBA. Giannis tearing it up even better than his MVP season. Bill, good to see you. Enjoy Packers and Niners. Appreciate the time. Good hearing from you boys. Take it easy. All right. Up next after a break, we're cracking this baby open. This is a $200 bottle of beer here, Ross Tucker, 28% alcohol. It's illegal in 15 states. I wish you were here, Ross. I wish you were here to enjoy this. You like beer more than me, bro. This is Sam Adams Utopias, the founder of Samuel Adams. Jim Cook joins us after the break to tell us what is in that bottle that makes it 200 bucks. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.